0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Finding My Voice. And guess what? We have, uh, me and my friends have just pre ordered our tickets to this year's Gothcon. It's a role playing convention in Gothenburg. Well, it's not just role playing, it's also board games and conflict games and other like minded things. But uh, I'm obviously there for the role playing. And uh, okay, today I'm going to talk about, first of all, um, a little bit about pronouns one of the stories from a previous GothCon, uh, but it's something i think a lot of cis people needs to hear well-meaning ones there are thi- well-meaning cis people there are certain things that you might not quite understand um and i understand it's hard but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get to that talk about the pronoun thing and then i'm going to fill in some details from what i talked about last week with carl I really love going through the campaign of Vestmark the way we did. And when I decided that we should do that, so we have like the whole thing eventually. Well, well, as far as we've gotten, we're still playing it. But um, I want to go back this time and just talk through a bit more detail because I think I want the detail in there. So I'm going to fill in. I just realized we talked like brushstrokes what happened. And you might not have got all the character nuances, well they can't get all of them, but I i, I feel like we you, would, you wouldn't have known a lot about Eskid or Eli specifically uh, if um, if you just listened to this podcast, and I want to talk more about them. Well Eli, not that much about Eli, because one of Eli's things is that she's mysterious, so you will get to learn about her eventually, but there's gonna be small doses with her, by design, that's who she is, she's cool like that. <laughs> but Eskid has been a little bit more forward. Um, if, from earlier, so I'm going to fill in some details where you get to learn a little bit more about the characters and the details. And and at the end, I am going to answer a listener question posed to Aleph Hild. But okay, pronoun things. Well, um, if you're here, I assume you are down with, uh, with the allyship and stuff like that. Um, but like... You might not fully understand what it's like when you're coming out. It's great that you want to know what people's pronouns are so that you can use them. That's wonderful. Uh, Of course, you have the other side that refuses to use other people's uh, pronouns and force other pronouns on them, and that's obviously not cool. That's just terrible behavior. Whether or not you do it for your principles or you can't be bothered, you know, it doesn't really matter. The fact that you're with us and you want to use the correct pronouns is great. But there's this thing where people kind of demand other people to tell their pronouns and normalize the idea that everyone should always uh, tell their pronouns. It's a great thought to normalize it, but when you insist upon it, you are actually going to end up hurting some trans people who are just about getting ready to come out. When you're deep in the closet and nowhere near coming out then of course you're excused for misgendering someone because you just don't know and you don't know because they haven't told you. I was the same, if people called me the wrong pronouns because I hadn't told them who I was, that's fair enough. And it's not just me reasoning of what's fair, it's also, it didn't hurt as much. It was it was my alter- my, my cover story after all, I was undercover. Um, but once I'm out, Getting misgendered by someone who knows who I am, that hurts. It hurts a lot. And even when it's a mistake, it hurts. But we understand mistakes happen, obviously. So just correct yourself and move on. But yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people are so into normalizing everyone sharing their pronouns that they start to demand it. Because what can happen? It happened to me, and a friend of mine just talked about their experience uh, when they went to a support group recently, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take their ones first actually Because that one wasn't so bad uh, Someone actually did it completely right there, but he, the, my friend he he discovered something about himself He is actually just quite recently ca- uh, cracking his egg Cracking your egg is what we call it when someone's finally decided to come out fully for themselves or just realizing that they are trans and um, This friend of mine he uh, realized a while back Uh, Just a year or two ago, I think After after being suspicious for a while that he's a trans man uh, and he went to support group and uh, Met a person there at first the leader I think who asked him what are your preferred pronouns? and he told me that he froze up he was happy to be asked and overjoyed that there's a chance to, you know, that this person's gonna see me for me but he couldn't tell him the pronouns his pronouns, the pronouns that he wanted to be called is he, him but he couldn't do it this person was obviously a safe person to, to tell but hiding for so long, I can understand it I was the same uh, a couple of years ago I couldn't tell my pronouns straight up. And he ended up saying they, them, you know, meeting himself in the middle, so to speak. He didn't want to, because misgendering himself would have been terrible. Just to just, someone asks what your pronouns are, and you say the wrong ones to hide, and you misgender yourself. It's like stabbing yourself in the back. I mean, it's, it's an acrobatic feat, but it's not nice. So... So that can be painful. Now, this person had the best of intentions, and I spoke to my friend, and I think he's going to uh, to call him and tell him. I, I hope he does, uh, and I'll update you about that if he tells me that's okay. And for me, myself, a couple of years ago at GothCon, the role-playing convention... And in in a group, we were going to play a one shot of a game and the game master asked, so I want everyone to say their pronouns and I was not out at the time. So I did not, I wasn't ready to come out to a bunch of strangers from out of nowhere. I wasn't prepared. So, but I didn't want to misgender myself either. That would have been just painful when someone asked, what are your pronouns? And you say the ones that hurt you to yourself. So I just said, uh, you know what? I don't mind. You can you can say whatever. And then they got a little, um, little annoyed with me and said, no, look, I'm standing up for my, uh, my LGBT friends here. Like you have to do this. This is like, like basically calling me out, being a bigot if I don't share my pronouns. And I I wasn't out, and it was painful that I couldn't come out and explain to him that you you're barking up the wrong tree here. But I understand. He was he was well intending. He was well intending. What am I? I'm losing my language skills here. (laughs) He had all the best intentions, but he put me in a very uncomfortable situation where he forced me to either come out, or misgender myself. And I wasn't ready to come out. And misgendering myself would have been hard and very painful. And and I ended up doing what my friend did. I said they, them, meeting myself in the middle. But even that felt like a defeat. So cis people that respect and ask for pronouns, you're wonderful. Thank you. But be careful. Don't push and don't demand. Because yes, sure, some are bigots and they should be challenged. But if you, if you apply this to everyone you are bound to hurt a few trans people and i know that's not what you intend to do so that's a heads up <laughs> so you'll you won't have to do that and feel bad about that later you're welcome all right great um so that was the pronoun story and on to Vestmark. right i am going to just talk about uh, talk about the yeah, some details about the same story that happened last episode so you Probably should listen to that because this is a complimentary one to that. And I will fill in some blanks. I will not do that in character. I will still use um, me and I because that's just how I talk about my characters. And then I will tell you when I start, when I go into answering the questions, that I will do in character. I'll do it this way because otherwise I'll probably be crying through the whole thing and we do not have time for that. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Okay, so uh, I'm gonna go back to the time we started uh, hanging out in Tivisborg, uh, right after Vanya had left, because that's where I started playing, and we had the lovely slice of life things. Uh, Eskit was the uh, was became the, an apprentice for the blacksmith there, and she was uh, doing smithy. And I asked her, did you do make something for me? And she made me a ring buckle, and that was really sweet, like a traditional kind of. Uh, A spiral ring buckle and I wore it proudly even though I didn't actually have anything that needed buckling but you know it's it's a present she gave it to me that was lovely Uh, one thing that was kind of weird uh, was uh, that this um, uh, this knight who was visiting we did not know who he was at the time it was Lord Wolf uh, but his squire started um, uh, hitting on Eskit and that was fun, you know. Hey, a boy's interested in you. Nye, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Me and Eli spied on them. Uh, and I have to say, I did a better job at Eli. Maybe because I'm smaller, or maybe because I'm more stealthy. I don't know. But uh, we had fun. Uh, but I was also asked to come out in the forest and look for traces and things like that because um, a hunter had gone missing recently and we did find a body and he had been shot by an arrow. Eli checked the arrowhead and it was made out of flint matching the one we found in our home village that was used by the Fae. So yeah, the arrowhead was sus. And there was uh, one night, we all shared a room uh, behind Sir Guillaume's room, because we were uh, were his servants uh, while he was a guest there. Uh, and we all shared a bed, cause you know that's what you do. It's cold, <laughs> and uh, at one point, Girth—that uh, was the name of of Sir Wolf's uh, squire—that was hitting on Eskit. He woke us up. Well, no, he was in our room as we were sleeping and uh, made a noise accidentally. We don't think it was intentional, cause we all woke up, and he just said he was in there to say good night to Eskit. And so that was really weird. I can just imagine the three of us, the three girls, like, in bed, just waking up at the same time, staring at this boy, going like, hey, what? <laughs> so that was super sus as well. Um, the following day is when you Ye- when got back. And that, that's when I came out to her. And that was, you know, that lovely scene I described in episode two. Oh, it's so lovely. Just I love thinking about it. Uh, and... Um, This is also the day Eskid had her vision about something in Sir Guillaume's room. And she had a vision of an ancient sword being made. And more suspicious things were happening. Uh, That night, uh, I think I was actually following uh, Girth, because we were suspicious of him. And I heard him speak to Wolf uh, in the darkness, in the shadows, saying that he wanted to stop doing it, uh, that he felt guilty since he's engaged to Beatrice, turns out that Gerth uh, was only hitting on Eskid as an assignment to get close to us because we were close to Sir Guillaume and he was spying on Sir Guillaume. So, yeah, this is also where Venya tells us that horrible story about, uh, about Sir Wolf that Carl spoke about last episode. Now we were getting worried, uh... I, I think I tried to, like, braid Venya's hair to make her look a little different so Wolf wouldn't spot her, but of course he'd spot her anyway, it was just being, you know, she's being paranoid and weird. <laughs> but yes, we ended up warning Guillaume that Sir Wolf was spying on him, or wanted to spy on him, and because Eskit can't tell a lie, he did find out about her vision. That made him want her to come with him on his quest. As we spoke, as Carl said in the last episode, he's carrying the sword of the late king. And you need this sword to crown a new king. And her having the vision about the sword made him convinced that God had chosen her for something to do with this sword. And he wanted to bring her with him. Of course, we put all our feet down and demanded that he cannot go anywhere with Eskid unless we come with. And uh, he was a little troubled, but he said, you know, he'll look into it. He didn't look like he was going to, but um, at least he said he would. Um, but we, we were worried about more things, like the face signs, the arrowhead, and the, the idea that they might have followed us here. Eli and Eskid buried iron under the gates since Faye can't walk across Iron. And that night we had a wake for the king. We all had to have a little speech for him and... uh, Alfils, you know, she she doesn't know much about politics, but she said, like, well... I said, I don't know anything about kings and crowns and, and important things, but I know... while I've been alive, there haven't been any wars here, so... I mean, thank you for the peace. And they all cheered and uh, liked what I said, apparently. Um, but yeah, those also coincided with Night of Fools, which is like an annual celebration where people from near villages and towns meet in the in the courtyard of this castle and just party. Um, we were all tense. Because we were worried about Wolf, he was scary. We were worried about Guillaume wanting to just sneak off with, with Eskit. Um... And uh, oh yeah, and I was very annoyed with Turkey uh, Home Squire Shokan. Um He like I was being unfair. I know this, be- but he was a he was a stranger. He was a boy. I couldn't trust him. You know, and and everyone else thinking, oh he he's pretty, and it's like Grr. okay, okay okay getting silly sorry. Um, but we had heard word during the beginning of the party that some guests had some people that seemed to be coming to party in the courtyard stopped at the city gates, or the, the castle gates, turned and left again. And this is where Eli and Eskid had buried the iron. So that means, or could mean, that the Fey had planned to attend. During the festivities I was talking to Gottfried, Sir Guthric's son, we had become friends during my stay in Tewisborg, and he had offered to protect us. The others had seemingly taken a liking to Shokan, uh, you know, Sir, Sir Game Squire, like I said, and he was an outsider, and now that I was out to Eli, Eskid, and Venya, but not out to him, if they're going to hang around him, I still had to hide, which annoyed me greatly, and... Uh, and they were all just swooning over him. Now, how much they were actually swooning is up for debate. <laughs> you know, some of that, or maybe all of it, might just have been Alville's bitterness playing tricks on my mind. But I was convinced, like, they think he's a pretty boy and they're just gonna forget about our sisterhood and leave me behind. But, you know. Um, but, but Guthrie was different. He was a few years younger than me. He was just a sweet little boy who wanted to be my friend. So that was just really sweet, until the attack started. Because the attack, as you know, started with a single arrow that was suddenly pointing at me from his throat. I was frozen for a few seconds as he slumped down. Then I screamed and my friends came running. Now more arrows had started running down. Running not raining down, sorry. This is live, isn't it? No. <laughs> Venya, Eli and Neskit started carrying Guthrie towards the castle to get help for him. I was following, crying and screaming. Venya wanted me to be distracted from that, so she asked me to go find his father and tell him what happened. She looked pleadingly at Shokan to go with me and he nodded. And thus we ran looking for Sir Guthric. I found him and in a panic he almost attacked me before realizing who I was. I told him what had happened, and distraught as he was, he had a castle to defend. He thanked me for telling him and told me to get to safety. Shoukan took us to a corner relatively safe from the archers on the outside, but as the screams were getting more and more intense, I needed to be with my friends, and to Shoukan's dismay, I ran out from our corner. He followed me with his shield doing his best to protect me from the arrows, and the GM made it clear that arrows did hit his shield, and if he had not been there, I would likely have been hit. I commissioned <laughs> a drawing of this. I've used it before, and I'm, I'm going to use, um, use that for this episode. Uh, this is a picture of, of Shokan protecting me as I'm running. So Guthrie was being treated on a table in the kitchen. Now we were all there, as well as Reguilm. The physicians were doing their best, but hope was getting more and more grim and eventually they gave up. Guthfried was gone. Sir Guillaume said it was time to go. We needed to join him on his quest earlier than expected and, you know, because of the chaos there was no discussion to be had, we had to go with him. One of the Fae, known to us as Shianaved, who seemed to be at odds with the rest, helped us find a tunnel out of the castle ground. She had even cleared a bandit camp on the outside to ensure our escape. This is where we saw the statue, a man frozen like ice in the middle of the camp. It was absolutely horrifying, but Eli was fascinated. She is one of us, and I love her, but she can be really scary sometimes. There's one more part to this story. But it will be covered in the question I'll answer that was posed by Tuxen. To me personally, in DMs, not on the comment section, but uh, I'll answer it anyway. Thank you for the question, Tuxen. But uh, the question was, to Alvhild, how did it feel to, for the first time, take a man's life? So yeah, Tuxen, thank you for the question, you monster. Okay, so yeah, it's gonna be heavy. Alright, uh... Here we go. We had been running
1: all night. It felt like it should be morning soon when the bandit found us and charged for
0: us. (laughs) I tried to stop them by shooting arrows at their legs. Sir Guillaume and Shokan protected us. They brought some of the bandits down with their swords. Shokan was pushed off the edge of a ravine and fell, we heard a splash. He must have hit the water. And then
1: Sir Guillaume was hit by an arrow and fell to the ground. The remaining two men were getting closer to us, and I fired an arrow in panic towards one of them, forgetting to aim for the knee, and it found his heart. I didn't mean to kill him. He fell down. And I dropped the bow. And I couldn't pick it up again. The other man threw himself at Venya, grappled her, and held her down. He rose a dagger above his head, ready to strike. I still couldn't pick the bow up, so I threw myself at his arm and clung to it to make him stop, but he just threw me off with ease. Just as he was about to bring the dagger down... Eskit cleft his head with the sword and it was over. I just stood there, frozen. <laughs> Eli checked on Venya and then went to stop Sergium's bleeding. Eskid knelt down in front of me and looked into my eyes and asked me how I felt. I told her. I I told her I wasn't injured and she put a hand on my shoulder and kept looking into my eyes and said Alfeld, that is not what I asked. She knew she understood. I'm a murderer. I killed a man. He was alive and now he was dead because of my arrow. I broke down, and they all hugged me close. Eskid, Venya, and Eli. How <laughs> hugged me. Sergio was lying injured, and Shokan was who knows where by now, washed away by the river, but they were holding me. How can I possibly deserve them? And Eskid... I didn't realize at the time. But I now know that she felt just as horrible as I did. But I wasn't comforting her. I owe her so much. I really have to watch over her now. But that... That's another story. We made... Sorry we made a stretcher to drag to drag Sir Guillaume through the forest looking for help or at least shelter eventually we reached the castle it looked overgrown but we hoped there was still some people living there that could help us we made our way to the gates through the mud and knocked as loud as we could I really, really wish I really wish we hadn't done that
0: (laughs) okay Mm. and if I go on I will dip into what we're going to talk about next time with Carl not next episode but a bit in the future sorry for the cliffhanger there but yeah Mm. Ah, at least I didn't choke on my tears this time oh wow Okay, guys. So that was episode twenty-two. I think. I hope so. Otherwise, I'm screwy in the head. <laughs> and yes. And um, oh, by the way, I was interviewed by a a, um, a Twitcher a streamer, a called Zedel Zeddy. And you can find that on Twitch, it's called Storytime, and uh, I was interviewed in the second episode of that show. We had a lot of fun, we talked about how we get into character for long campaigns, so you can check that out on YouTube or on uh, Twitch, I think, zealzaddy, that's with a Z-E-A-L-Z-A-D-D-Y-E, and you'll find it. And yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any questions for Alvild or any other of my characters, or want to talk about other things entirely, just drop me a line. I love answering your questions. Alright, thank you for listening. Have a great day. I love you!